That drum roll you just heard from Tony's knees. My knees. I actually think it was my thighs. <laughs> my thighs. <laughs> my thighs. <laughs> um, signals the start of episode 27. It's a special one-off episode 27 instrumental introduction. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is Lights in the Sky podcast episode 27. Um, it's a casual chat about some uncasual things. I'm Luke. And I'm Tony. And these are my shins. <laughs> shins now. <laughs> We've, 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 it's clearly not my shins. We've blown out I the quota. To, I meant to say thighs. We've blown shins. out the quota on parts of legs to name. Right. We're already up to three. That's the shins. <laughs> um, I think I said that way too loud just then. So uh, we're going to um, have a wee chat about some paranormal things. Uh, Tony has got a uh, story in the bank for us to hear. We have. Um, and then we'll finish up with um, a random story from an 80s book. Um uh we do again have some um uh listener some correspondy li- listener correspondence so we've got a, a story from one of our dear twitter followers um so we can jump into that as well but first i normally ask you have you had anything paranormal happen to you since our last recording oh that about was a 15 long minutes time ago. ago yeah <laughs> so um, pulling back the curtain again i went downstairs and i got some of my barbecue children's teeth <laughs> they're, they're they're corn nibbles that look like baby teeth yeah and you like crunching <laughs> Yellow away on them. yeah they're good uh, um so yeah pulling back the curtain this is the second episode we're recording sort of back to back um so last week's one you heard last week and this week's one we're recording straight after so probably not too much happened in the paranormal world between recordings when you went downstairs to get your snacks uh well did anything weird happen up here it was all good downstairs um what about in the kitchen down the stairs really good so the downstairs department's under control it's all under control down there yep yep washing's dry (laughs) (laughs) important i'll bring that in later um so there's been no further developments on the roadworks because it's still i believe the sign's still out there (laughs) i didn't run out and have a look but i can if you want to great um no it's no no okay fair enough (laughs) um so um shall i um jump into a hypothetical question to kick things off please all right um, so I don't know how this one's going to go. It was madly scrawled into my um, my new podcast and notebook. Um, your journal? Last night. Um, pretty late on, once we finished recording, went and saw people, got home, etc. No, I read about your social life. Um, so the hypothetical goes on. Uh, the solar eclipse happens and a big plant grows out from under your living room floor like the little shop of horrors oh no i haven't seen little shop of horrors <laughs> okay but you get the gist of it it's like a big venus flytrap looking thing that talks and sings oh okay do you know that no i've never seen it okay so imagine a giant venus flytrap like like a big bulbous i'm doing the little like you know, claw, hand, the claw hand like thing. a sock puppet almost <laughs> and you know i don't like sock puppets <laughs> without a sock um, so it's a big giant plant that um, grows through your living room floor and it stands slightly taller than you. Yep. It talks. It's kind of a wise ass. Um, it sings. It's like a wise ass given that it's, It sings. Could we have it on the podcast? <laughs> we probably could. Hypothetically. We can't record downstairs though because they're buzzing noise. Oh yeah, so that's true. We might have to, yeah. We did try that. We did try that. <laughs> um, 
but it uh, it's essentially a big um kind of looks like the, they had those things on um crash bandicoot that would like chew you up yeah you're right yep. into crash bandicoot i did used to day. love that yeah yeah so it was one of them but um talks and also given that little shop of horrors is a musical sings as well loud <laughs> right so that's going on. Okay. It's a talking plant. Sounds a little bit frustrating, to be honest. <laughs> so there's other there's other um, provisos in this hypothetical. Um, it's a talking plant and can't be killed. So you can't just go weed killer. So how do I know it can't be killed? Because I'm telling you it's a rule of this hypothetical. Because <laughs> I knew your instinct would just be get a lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> I do have an electric lawnmower, which is pretty useless. Um, it belts out tunes at all hours of the day unless you feed it and water it. Okay, so okay, um, uh, trying to decipher my notes a little bit more. Um, if you keep it uh, fed, um, it stays quiet. Um, one of the other rules is that you know that if you feed it human or animal flesh, it stays quieter longer. Okay, okay? so um, to keep it quiet all all the time. You have to feed it double what you have. So your grocery bill doubles. No, triples. Because you've got to feed you and then double that for the plant to keep it quiet. Or you can feed it animal matter or human matter. So if I can't try and convert it to a vegan lifestyle like I am. (laughs) Just a socially and environmentally responsible vegan lifestyle. Would that be cannibalism for the... (laughs) Cannonballism? Would that be cannonballism for a plant that only eat plants? I guess it's anyway. It's definitely, <laughs> not, it's definitely not cannonball, is it? <laughs> no, it's definitely not. <laughs> um, so that's the deal. You get to um, like really have to take care of this thing, or it will be belting out tunes, or you so discover like- you could like um, feed it. Uh, humans or animals and it would be quieter for a lot longer so i can do humans or animals so yep so it's not like santa clarita diet where you have to have people what is that you've not seen that on netflix no oh santa clarita diet Diet. yeah no it's quite good have a look at it no it's got drew drew carrie how many yeah how many female (laughs) drews are there i didn't know it was female you never said female yeah well i'm now saying how many females drews do you know one who's that carrie no <laughs> barrymore barrymore <laughs> <laughs> she's got a very manly name you think about drew barry more the mall's not very manly mm. drew barry getting back to the hypothetical <laughs> leaving drew barrymore to pursue her own career name, really drew barrymore it's really weird isn't it yeah drew nancy drew but that's the last name Nancy Drew Barrymore. <laughs> I call the name Barrymore now. It's a good name. Anyway, what are we talking about? <laughs> um, so, would I feed it human or animal flesh? Yeah, or would you just put up with it singing? What, like, discuss? So, does it have to be, do I need to cook the flesh? Or is it raw? Or Either way. Either way. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Um, I'm not. You don't cook yourself food. Why would you cook the plant I put food? things in the oven and unwrap them and put them in the <laughs> oven. I'm just not saying that, you know, if I had, like, grossy, drippy, bloody meat, it would probably put me off. Okay. So what do you do? Um, I guess what I would do is probably go down and get some mince that's about to go off. Right. 
so you know that mince that kind of changes color like it ground goes, beef yeah ground beef mince that it's kind it's of kind gone of from grayish like, yeah it goes yeah. gray yeah yeah i think i probably i would say look um i'd say the, i'd say to the plant look, look so i don't eat meat Mm-hmm. So, but I don't expect to impose my ideals on you. Yeah, you can be your own plant. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But I'm just saying that if you're going to eat meat, mm-hmm. um, I'm probably not the best person to pick it out because I don't really know what I'm looking at. Okay, but I'll get you something. Maybe I didn't explain it too well, but you have to feed live animals or live humans to it. Okay, you didn't say that at all. No. So you were saying you were, you just just like two seconds ago you gave me the go ahead for the gray mints yeah yeah so now i'm changing the rules oh, because damn, it's too way easy. too easy yeah like, like you can't just say i'm gonna go this normal, is why normal supermarket shopping animals and humans but they must be live when you feed them to them we'll keep it quieter for longer otherwise it just turns into groceries and your groceries are your grocery bill goes up yeah which is a, i thought was essentially what we had i thought this was because of my um decision to move away from meat you want me to get my hands dirty in the meatiness <laughs> i thought it's gonna gross me out no. live animals so yep. there could be like a cow yep oh <laughs> you're the one that just killed a cow <laughs> i don't you decided the cow well, was I, gonna die do i kill it or does the plant kill it does the venus flytrap kill it you have to lead it to the venus flytrap so i have to bring animals into my living room yes how long would a cow keep this thing quiet for a month oh yeah um okay well can i put some tarps down so i don't get blood everywhere yeah oh <laughs> convenient <laughs> you're welcome i think i can get those from you can get those pretty cheap these days drop sheets mm, yeah i think you can um sorry the so children's you- teeth are coming back up <laughs> it's like oof, hurt unsettling me um i'd probably see if i could strike a deal with maybe some sort of um what do they call the people who look after farmers? Animals? Farmers, and um, move maybe sort of stock that's at end of shelf life. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you? You're vegan, right? Correct. Is that for health reasons rather than animal reasons? Um, it's it's more environmental reasons, to be honest. What's that? Because I believe that um, actually the the the. Um, Oh, we're going to get well, into well, it, I don't aren't you? are going to blame farmers on, uh, about uh, pollution, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I am. Oh, and man. Because it is actually the biggest contributor to climate change in my uh, in my research and opinion is uh, farming animals for human consumption. Don't need to do it. When Meat you, should be a treat rather than, every, you know, rather than an everyday staple. Would you eat um, one of those meat patties made of like maize or whatever? You know, those ones that they've made in test tubes and things? Tastes exactly like... Beef? Well, this is the other thing. Like, I don't really like the taste of meat. Yeah. So I'm mm. quite like when they have like um, chicken style this or beef style this, it actually really puts me off. Like mm. there was one like you know how I am about fish. I saw some fish flavored thing. I'm like absolutely not. I know it's not <laughs> fish, but I'm not going near it. Um, but that's saying that I do like my chicken style nuggets. They don't taste like chicken, but they are <laughs> style nuggets. And I have chicken style patties. Right. Um, going back to the hypothetical. Again, uh, I thought we're doing vegan corner. <laughs> no, no. Uh, well, we were, but um, when you people must really hate vegans. The thing is, you've got to get preachy about stuff like I do. I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't mean to do that. You know, eat meat if you want to. You know, I do a lot. I ate a lot of meat. Yeah, well, you this should've... podcast does not condemn meat. I no. ate so much meat. But I thought you said you're doing every second week. You were doing non-meat. 
Yeah, but when I do meat, I, I do meat. Well, I think you're doing very well by having one week off from meat. I think that's a re- very environmentally and socially responsible thing to do. It's not why I'm doing it. Well, you should be. <laughs> I mean, not you should be, but you should feel that you are being responsible by doing that. What is this? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm, this is why don't get me started about being a vegan because I start talking like this and everyone gets annoyed and we lose our audience. So stop talking to me about being a vegan. I can't help it. So you can feed this thing cows, but you have to be the one that leads the cow in. You can't just do a deal with the farmer and say, lend me a cow and drop it off into my living room. Follow the tarps. <laughs> what do I put a trail of delicious cow treats? You have to lead the cow I to lead the it plant. To, yeah, to the front door. Then a trail, no, of delicious, you... <laughs> a trail of delicious cow treats leads the cow to the plant. Nope. You have to lead it in. No, oh, but I think I the, make delicious, the rules here. But the delicious cow treats would work. Why would they not work? Because it's my hypothetical. <laughs> I make the rules. Yeah, like, but I've made a new rule. I just get treats. to say no. It won't work. Okay. So what would you do? Well, I wouldn't go a cow, probably. They're probably a bit big. I might go for, like, a sheep. Okay. They last two weeks. Okay. Two sheep. That was a month. So you might as well do a cow. <laughs> yeah, but I could bring one in, lead it in with delicious sheep treats. <laughs> Which the... I haven't ruled out yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then Mr... Um, Venus flytrap eats the sheep mm. and I'm like okay so how are you feeling he's like oh it's probably done me for about two weeks I'm like okay I'll get you another pop out other one comes in with delicious sheep treats eats that and I'm like you're doing okay so like, it's probably a month and I'm like good you're good telling me you would happily lead a live sheep through your house I was like I'd be happy about it but <laughs> I mean I'd, look I'd do it if I need to do it you wouldn't just uh, go and double your groceries or triple your groceries so I can either get plants from off the shelf or live animals. Yeah, but three times as much. Oh, okay. I'll just do that then. And that only lasts a day. So like when you go <laughs> when you go and, um, you know, you have, say you have a piece of toast for breakfast, you then have to I make this I normally have thing. two pieces of toast for breakfast. Okay. Then you're, I was trying to keep the numbers nice and low <laughs> to be round, but you basically just then have to give the, um, plant so four pieces so what happens if i decided to plant okay um i'm gonna just not i'm going away for two weeks on holiday what happens not an option it follows you i thought it was locked in the ground it is but you can hear it i've just found a hole in the hypothetical haven't i (laughs) i can go away on holiday for two weeks and come back and it's like i'm hungry (laughs) yeah you just wait till it dies (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) moving on Let's leave that there then. You win. I won that one, yeah. That was a bit of a hastily scribbled one, so. And the rules change a few times during it. Yeah, because of scribbles. (laughs) And then I accidentally became a preachy vegan. (laughs) So it's a shame. Apologize again for that, actually. I'm sorry about that. I really am. You know. I work in the egg sector, so I think um, we're doing just fine. (laughs) And I love beef. I would like the egg sector to not pollute as many of our rivers, though. Could do that better. Don't get me started on that. Really? Yeah. Well, do you think they're not polluting the rivers? Well, don't get me started on that. <gasps> you don't, do you? <laughs> they are. Um, some are. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay, that's fine. We agree. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's move on. It's a real hot election <laughs> topic in New Zealand this year about the ag sector polluting rivers. Everyone wants to stop it. Egg sector may or may not be polluting river, rivers. Well, some are. This is, we've, this is we've getting to, to the us versus them debate that we don't want to have. And well, how many farmers on. listen to this podcast? 
Um, this tweet comes in from uh, Julia. Juju B girl. She's not a farmer. J U J U B E E G R R L on Twitter. Um, with an at at the start, obviously. Oh, right, right. So, um, from time to time... If it um, was at Farmer Julia, I'd be a bit upset. <laughs> oh, no, we've just gone through this. From time to time, listeners um, and contributors to the show on Twitter um, like to send in tweets, and um, we love receiving them. Um, so, this one is around a paranormal experience of one of our followers put it that way cool all right um so yeah it's a kind of a longish one but um nice and substantial i think um okay so she's linked me to she's linked me to a um, journal entry that she wrote um close to the time of this going down um so what was that you got the squeaky chair at the clicky chair (laughs) Most of you know I am an avid believer in the paranormal. I do I do believe there's life after death, whether it be ghosts or spirits, etc. I believe in this. I always have, and I've had a few experiences. But what I'm about to tell you will blow you away. It all began a little over a week ago or so when I started feeling very tired, drained, and rather exhausted. For the past couple of weeks, I hadn't been sleeping well at all, and I had no idea why. One night last week, I was walking down the hallway from my bathroom and got a vision in my head of a tall figure in my mind standing in my living room. As this happened, uh, and this happened a few we- a few times last week, so I got in touch with a spiritual medium, Jill, that I have been conversing with on Twitter for a while now. I asked what she suggested, and she said for me to take pictures of the room and send them send them to her via Facebook. I really like this sort of uh, 21st century medium. Isn't it? Yeah. It's really good. On Twitter, then sending photos via Facebook. Um, Last Thursday night, I sent her the pictures. On Friday, I got a response back about how she was surprised that she picked up on a few things. She asked me first if I knew of a young man that had passed away in my area or or of someone that was close to me and who died unexpectedly in an accident. She said that it wasn't bad energy at all, but it is what's been draining me and wearing me down. Jill also explained to me that he is—he has become attached to me and is in need of helping him cross. She said he came to her very frantically, that he didn't know what had happened to him, so she said she saw a large body of water, like a lake or pond, that he was close to while alive. She said to let her know, and after reading the message I started to get a little panicky. I felt as if whomever was attached to me knew that I was there and that he needed help. And I knew I had to find find how about him. I knew I had to find... I don't really... A typo. When I got home on Friday <laughs> night, I started to do research on, a lo- on local newspaper websites, looking up a young man who had passed away and used the names that Jill had given me but I wasn't coming up with anything. So she told me to do a search within the past few months and succeeded. I didn't know if it was him or not, so I asked Jill and she said it was. For name's sake, I'm not going to give out his name. I have the utmost respect for keeping this confidential as I wasn't directly in contact with this person when alive. Turns out he had passed away recently according to the according to the obituary that showed up and that he had lived close to me, more like 20 to 30 minutes away. He had gone to a lake or pond near him too when he was alive. How he died is still a mystery to myself and Jill. She told me that he was at this lake with people and happy and then everything just went black. It was very unexpected. Jill And Jill said he panicked after he died. She said that there is something off about it, but, is still, but there's still a lot of mystery about this young man. 
It's still a mystery as to why he attached himself to me, why he became specifically, uh, why he came specifically to me looking for guidance. Jill said he had crossed over, and that makes me happy to know that he's at rest. Things about his death, I feel, is very hush hush because when I did a search, not one article came up about it. I'm sure it wasn't something the family wanted the world to know about. But I'm happy to know that he's at rest and he's able to let let go and be at peace. Please note that this is the first time this has happened to me. I confided in Jill because she has much more experience than me. And she has told me she believed me to be an empath. Meaning I was able to absorb feelings of spirit energy whether they were alive or dead. I'm very grateful for Jill explaining to me how to protect myself in case this happens again. I think it might happen again but I have the tools that I can use that will help me now. Good story. Yeah, really good. Thank you very much. Julie from Twitter. Julia, sorry. Um, yeah, so that was that's a nice wee story from um, one of our listeners. If you have any stories of your own that you'd like to send in, send them in via um, direct message on Twitter at LITS underscore podcast. Head up our website, lightsinthesky.podcast.com. There's a submit your story page there. Um, or um, lights in the sky podcast at gmail.com. Do you want to do a rundown on what fabulous prizes our listeners will get if they send something in? Um, no. <laughs> okay, that's all right. <laughs> um, anyone who's, who contributes anything to the show, whether it's a um, ghost story or whether it's just one of those hypotheticals, hopefully better than my one today, um, for me to post to Tony, we will send you out um, some badges and stickers. When you get enough of the stickers, we'll send you some more um, substantial goods. That we're working out. It's good. It's something good. cool, something free, but something physical rather than like an e card <laughs> that you open embarrassingly in your workplace. Um, so we could, that's, we could do like an e card of us awkwardly smiling. And <laughs> we could do that. Right. Hi. <laughs> um, so thanks again, Julia. That was um, pretty cool to hear. And now I think we will listen to Tony regale us of stories from the paranormal. Well, thank you for joining me uh, here in the paranormal realm as we uh, have we chit chat around some of the uh, some of the more paranormal elements of, of this world. <laughs> Just read it, Egg. <laughs> So this one's always confused me as to where they settle on this name because, you know, it's sort of an unusual name for a sort of creature because the insect it's sort of named after is sort of a bit of a lame bug. Dung beetle. Dung beetle man. (laughs) (laughs) Mothman. Mothman, correct. Oh, I was looking at that one this morning. I was wondering if I should put one of them in. Oh, Mothman. I'll strike that off my list now. Mr. or Mrs. Mothman. Yeah, John Mothman. John Mothman. (laughs) (laughs) Kia ora, I am John Mothman, and welcome to my tale. Um, So the the cool thing here is that I've heard a lot about Mothman, but never really um, dove in to actually see what it's about. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, well, I didn't dive that deeply, so... (laughs) I, I really, I've heard the name and maybe seen a pic, but that's it. So hit me. A moth pic? Yeah. Yeah, cool. I'll send you a moth pic later. So, we're going to ask some questions here. So, is the Mothman a monster bent on wrecking, 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 <laughs> wrecking destruction? Yes. Or a supernatural force sent to warn of impending danger? Yes. <laughs> it's not yes to both. It's <laughs> it, really positive. Polar opposites. Really positive. <laughs> you are very positive. Okay. So, we've all heard of the Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot. 
sometimes called Sasquatch. Yes. <laughs> but they're not the only mysterious beings allegedly living in our midst. Deeper into the annals or annals Whoa. of cryptozoology. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, it's spelt the same, <laughs> kind of. Is a creature first reported nearly 50 years ago. Those, sorry, whose appearance is said by some to herald disaster. Yes. The strange and terrifying Mothman. Yes. The first Mothman sighting occurred on November 12, 1966 in West Virginia. When five grave diggers claimed to see a human-like figure soaring just above them in the autumn trees. Just above them? Them. <laughs> you can your emphasis on your wrong syllables. <laughs> uh, days later, on November 15, in nearby Point Pleasant, West Virginia, a small city located at the meeting point of the Ohio and, this looks like a Maori word, it's Kanafa not. Rivers, two couples both spotted a white-winged, human-sized creature with fiery eyes standing in front of their car headlights. Mm. Steve Mallet was one of those witnesses. It was a man <laughs> with wings, he recounted to the Point Pleasant Register. It wasn't anything like you'd seen on TV or in a monster movie. Another witness, <laughs> Roger Scarberry or Scareberry, described the creature as having red eyes about two inches in diameter and six inches apart. Scareberry said that he had seen the creature by himself, and he wouldn't have said anything had he been alone. That's, <laughs> that's kind of makes sense. Can you say that again? Scareberry <laughs> said that had he seen the creature by himself, <laughs> he wouldn't have said anything. But there were four of us who saw it. So I, you know, missed that last line up. But effectively, <laughs> what old Rog is saying that um, unless there were other people around, he wouldn't have said anything about it. But because yep. there were four of them, it's like, well, there's some witnesses. Yep. The sightings continued for months throughout the Point Pleasant area. The mystery and fear surrounding the strange bird-like monster came to a head on December 15, 1967. So it's just over a year since the first sightings were reported. Mm -hmm. With the tragic collapse of the Silver Bridge. 46 people died when the bridge, which connected the city with Galapagos, Ohio, collapsed during rush hour. The destruction was blamed on a dysfunctional eye bar in the suspension chain, but some locals felt that something more sinister was at play, that it might be connected to the recent reports of the eerie creature. So here's a, um, a, a typo I've left in this article. <laughs> <laughs> a fun typo. Yeah, and yeah, so theories arose that Pleasure Point might have been a potential portal to an alternate realm. So it was Point Pleasant, but they've changed it to Pleasure Point. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, is <laughs> like a portal, slip. Yeah, a portal, a portal to an alternate realm, sort of pleasure-filled realm, mm. and that the Mothman may be a sexy creature. No. <laughs> it doesn't say that. Yeah, that the does it describe the Mothman as having fishnet tights or something? <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that the Mothman creature, coupled with reports of poltergeists and bizarre light phenomena in the area, was somehow connected to the Silver Bridge tragedy. Some wondered if the Mothman was responsible for the Silver Bridge destruction himself. Others hypothesised that, despite the Mothman's frightening appearance, he might have been sent to warn the town of impending tragedy. 
As the legend grew, the question surrounding Mothman's intentions remained, and so has public fascination with the mysterious creature. The Point Pleasant incidents have been recorded and recounted in various media, including the 1975 book The Mothman Prophecies, written by John Keel, who was on assignment in West Virginia during the height of the Mothman phenomenon, the 2002 movie adaption of the same name, The Mothman Prophecies. Adaptation? Uh, yeah. Adaption. Did I say adaption? Yeah. Okay, adaptation. <laughs> Of the same name. Another apology for all the listeners. And the 2002 book by cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman, Mothman and Other Curious Encounters. So are we saying that a cryptozoologist, um, to be one of them, you cover the same... um, Write a book. Yeah, you write a book. Mm -hmm. The same same rules as a ufologist. Same rules apply. You've got to write a book. So as the Mothman story gained notoriety in pop culture... Rumours of other times when the beast appeared prior to tragedy began to swirl. Mm-hmm. So here's um, four alleged Mothman sightings that preceded disaster striking. Chernobyl. What? On April 26, 1986, in the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. the world's worst nuclear disaster occurred with an explosion, well, as long as... Crazy old South North Korea don't flick a missile anywhere, but to date, the world's worst nuclear disaster occurred when an explosion took place during a routine systems test of Reactor 4 at the Chernobyl nuclear plant. The nearby town of Pripyat served as a base for the first responders, but was later evacuated due to the presence of harmful radiation. In the decades following the disaster, Rumours have flown around cryptozoology-inclined corners that Chernobyl workers and residents of Pripyat saw something very eerie in the days prior to the explosion. Wearing fishnets. Reportedly, a bizarre winged creature was seen flying over the town on numerous occasions. A few workers at Chernobyl also allegedly saw the same creature hovering over the plant. Even stranger, those who claimed to have seen the creature were reportedly plagued by nightmares and harassed and harassed by incessant threatening phone calls thereafter. Interesting. Many claimed the creature resembled a man-like bird with red eyes, and some came to refer to it as the Black Bird of Chernobyl. Bird person. Was the Black Bird person of Chernobyl the same creature as the one seen prior to the Silver Bridge disaster? Or was it, as some have suggested, merely a rare black stork? Hmm. 9-11 What? Following the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center on September 11, 2001 Rumours emerged that witnesses reported seeing a large crane-like figure And to be honest, it's Manhattan, that's lots of buildings, so there could be cranes (laughs) (laughs) So I'm assuming a bird crane, not like a big yellow crane lifting, you know, 35 ton weights Yep, I get it In the vicinity of the towers, five days prior to the attack it had been 31 years since any such sighting of Mothman in North America. On the day of the horrific attack, Mothman was reported to have appeared again, some claiming they could see his face through the clouds of smoke and debris as the towers fell. Whoa. Yeah, I know. <laughs> These are some big claims, but um, incredibly recent. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump um, even more recent, the I-35 bridge collapse. Freakishly enough, another sighting of Mothman, I keep saying Mothman and Mothman, I I just can't help myself, (laughs) was noted at the site of a bridge collapse. 
at rush hour on August 1, 2007, a bridge on Interstate 35 in Minneapolis, Minnesota, gave way at its centre. 13 people died and nearly 145 were injured in this fall. Reports trickled in that a Mothman-like figure started appearing near the bridge about one month prior to its collapse. Really? Skeptics dismissed the creature as a large heron or crane, but some Mothman believers began to theorise that Mothman could possibly be a paranormal entity rather than a cryptid. Could he arrive to have warned of the impending danger? He's not doing a very good job I was going to say this, like, learn, learn to use a phone, you jackass. Yeah, like, <laughs> like ring, ring, hey. <laughs> Hello, I-35 bridge control. <laughs> Collapse, you were going to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, Mothman, bridge, you'll fall down, watch out for it. Yeah, Mothman, Mothman. Like, and what was your name again, sorry? Uh, Mr. Mothman or Mothman. <laughs> okay, Mr. Ma- Mothman or Mothman, thank you very much. We'll get the warning out. Um... Or was he present to prepare for the bridge's collapse in a vengeful strike against humanity? Well, it's not warning, surely. He called. He didn't call. That was you. <laughs> I, didn't I just played that. the audio back. <laughs> it was the audio of the, yeah. of the call. Okay. Yeah. No. Str- a strange audio has been leaked to the internet of a call <laughs> purportedly from a Mothman or Mr. Mothman or Mr. Mothman. Warning of disaster. <laughs> but the bridge control did not take it seriously. Because <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> Swine flu outbreak in Mexico. Okay. How did he how did he poorly warn everyone about this one? <laughs> he put some posters up, but they were in English. Yeah, some, some flyers. Yeah, flyers around. Okay. Yeah. On April 10, 2009. And we get a good throwback to a previous episode here. Residents of La Junta in the Mexican state of Chihuahua <laughs> began noticing a strange creature in their midst. He was Some say he was warning them. <laughs> he was very tall and hairy, with two expansive wings and wide bloodshot eyes like he'd been on the piss. <laughs> One young student even reported that the creature chased him relentlessly. To get his goon bag. (laughs) (laughs) All New Zealand colloquialisms no one's going to understand. So the student said, those were 15 minutes of maximum despair. Those were 15 minutes of maximum despair. It's it's like an old timey throwback way like the story you did last week. Go on. Um, <laughs> said the student, who chose to remain anonymous during the interview. It wasn't, very lo- wasn't a very long interview. <laughs> he was embarrassed about the sound of his voice. Um, it was during this time that the area began to see a rise in swine flu cases tied to the ongoing 2009 outbreak. If someone says that this thing may have been trying to warn, warn them about swine flu, then this guy... Oh, come on. Don't just spit. <laughs> Yeah, wash your hands after going to the bathroom. Yeah. Two, yeah, that'd be good. Like, those employees must wash hands signs, you see? So, Mothman warns, employees <laughs> must wash hands. Yeah, that's, that's how yeah. he did it. He yeah. just put stickers do into the, the bathroom. Do the Mothman. <laughs> wash your hands. Yeah. Um, and don't kiss. <laughs> just go. Strangers. On the lips or the mouth. Two other... Or the wi- mouth, which... Oh, go yeah, on. Lips or mouth. 
<laughs> Two other witnesses by the names of Angela Mendez and Vivina Ledemans claim to have heard the creature in an apple orchard near Menaka Cemetery, warning people to wash their hands. Some believers theorize that the creature terrifying the residents of Chihuahua was in fact the Mothman. Mm-hmm. So what is the Mothman? A monster bent on destruction on Earth? A supernatural force sent to warn of impending danger and doom? No. A fusion of various local myths and animal sightings? Possibly. We may never know for sure. We know which one it isn't for sure. Well, I think you did that phone call, so we're not going to... And he put those signs about washing hands stuff. No, I'm so, not impressed yeah. by this moth He's man trying his best. No, he isn't. <laughs> I think he is. I think if he's... I just... If I showed up at your house, yeah. said nothing, yeah. then left, how have I warned you about anything? I'd be like, oh, he's probably trying to warn me about something. Yeah. I mean, I'd Maybe really I'll think, wash my hands. Yeah, I'll wash my hands. <laughs> and I didn't get swine flu. Yeah. Well, I didn't get swine flu, so I can thank the Mothman for that. Um, I'm washing my hands of this Mothman. Really? <laughs> He's going to be really upset about that. That's what I do. He's doing his best. Yeah. We may never know for sure what it is, but it's clear that the fearsome creature is a source of fascination for many, half a century after the first sighting. Today, Mothman is the focus of an annual festival in Point Pleasant. In and the a face local of mu- local hand <laughs> soap manufacturer. <laughs> and a local museum is also dedicated to the winged weirdy. It's not a very catchy name, I don't like that. Winged weirdy. Yeah. No, that's cool. It's like uh, back in the old days of um, sci-fi movies, um, a lot of people would call them weirdies. Okay. You go catch the local weirdy. Okay, yeah. well, I take it all back. Hmm. It's kind of cool, like retro cool. Okay, I'll suck it back and go, 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 go. Take it back. Don't do that. As movies, other pop, other pop culture, and even podcast episodes bring attention to Mothman, and the sightings Moth- of him, and the sightings <laughs> of him consequently increase. Some are less credible than others, but the original events in Point Pleasant remain as compelling and mysterious for Mothman believers Mothman. as ever. So there's the there's the tale of the Mothman or Mothman. Okay, it's interesting. Um, I'm not convinced he's warning anyone of anything. Obviously, yeah. the, the, which I'm being quite vocal about. I'm just filthy on that. Just, just okay. Terrible. Well, I'm going to disagree. I think he's doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing, doing his best. Yeah, needs to, like some little flags. I think. And then I think. Yeah, I think the Mothman would sit there at his in, you know, annual performance review. And you were talking about these performance reviews the other day, and they'd be like, "Okay, so so far, you haven't really done a hell of a lot to prevent disaster." He'd be like, "What about Chihuahua? Who? Who? I did. You know, I helped out there." It's like, yeah, it sort of wasn't really like you did too much other than sort of get you know chase a kid and then like want people to wash their hands like you know i think the health department could have done more than that than you did unsatisfactory somewhat satisfactory i'd give them neither satisfactory nor unsatisfactory I, yeah. satisfactory or very competent i'm gonna say unsatisfactory mm, i'm with you there. That's his performance yeah because i think even the the swine flu and jahuahua he managed that only by just dumb luck that you know that people wash their hands, <laughs> which were made up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean there was still a swine flu outbreak. Yeah, so did it work in Chihuahua? No. <laughs> no so 
What do we need to do? Well, I mean, he didn't roll the sleeves up, put a mask and go to the hospital. That wouldn't be very mysterious of him, would it? If he was actually, you know, treating people at the hospital. If he was warning people, he can't be mysterious about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, mysterious isn't the goal. The warning is the goal. Yeah, generally warning people about things isn't mysterious. It's yeah. pretty much up front, like a big yellow sign that I take off the road and hide around the corner. Mm-hmm. Warning of roadworks, get rid of it. That was last week's that, episode. That by road the way. Work, yeah, I know exactly, but I'm throwing back. <laughs> that roadwork sign is more effective than Mothman at warning. Yes, I'm going to put that out there. It's quite clear about what it's. Well, actually, it's is. less clear now because it's on the side of the road in the bush. Yeah. Well, it may have been taken. Who knows? <laughs> Anything else to add to our moth person? Um, I think really that the the stories from uh, Point Pleasant or Pleasure Point. <laughs> whatever they want to call it i mean there were lots of witnesses there lots of sightings um did he was there to warn about the bridge i don't really think so but um there's there's enough there that there was something that definitely happened the Mm -hmm. other stories are interesting um but i think still the best case evidence is um point pleasant and the reason i sort of chose to focus on this bit is that it continues and follows up with some future sightings beyond just that one so um yeah, sort of got five stories, and one, the first one's really good, the other's maybe a little bit sketchy. Interesting. Um, okay, let's leave that one there, and this time it is my turn to give you some strange Ooh. in the final segment we call Get Me Some Strange. Um, we have started taking turns to start the music, so who did last week? Uh, you did last week. You want to start the music? Okay. Um, I can't find the button. Where is it again? I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's going. Um, the This final segment we call Get Me Some Strangers, where we flick through the 1982 Reader's Digest version of Mysteries of the Unexplained, has a really long intro that I like to say a lot because I've kind of got it down pat. Mm. I'll flick through the book. Nothing um, else gets an intro like this does. Exactly right. Or in general, nothing else gets an intro. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll flick through the book to... Um, uh, Antonio will say stop. We'll stop on a random page and we'll read a mystery of the unexplained um flicking through the book now stop that was a quick stop yep a quick stop and this is the bit once again where we pad while we try to figure out what section we landed in um we have landed in cures and immunities oh mothman would be good with this he's helpful (laughs) um okay so um let's take a look at we've got a small a medium and a large which would you prefer Medium. Okay. The medium. The small medium? Yeah. <laughs> small man's medium. Um, okay, let's go for the medium. It's called The Man Who Wouldn't Hang. Oh, okay. In 1803, a policeman in Sydney, Australia, died from wounds inflicted on him by a thief or thieves he had discovered stealing a small desk containing a bag of gold and silver coins. Before long, I'm Joseph glad, I'm glad Sanders, you followed up with what was in the desk. Because yeah. small desk. It's, pretty, it's just small, a desk. A small desk. <laughs> uh, before long, Joseph Samuels, a man of ill repute, was arrested. I like how that book often says that about old timey things. Yeah, <laughs> was arrested, and when some of the missing coins were discovered in his pocket, was charged with the murder. Wait, what? Oh yeah, he died from the, from the wounds inflicted on him. I just lost track of the dead body for okay. a second. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, a poor mortician. Yeah. 
<laughs> Samuel's You're just caught up in the, uh, the the majesty of the small desk. Yeah. Samuel's claimed that yeah, I thought the only crime was they stole a the desk. desk. <laughs> Unless they murdered someone. <laughs> Literally murdered it's a guy. Like, I sentence you to 100 hours community service for stealing a desk. It's like, yeah. you also killed murdered someone. What? Really? I got distracted. Samuel's claimed that he had won the coins gambling and produced witnesses who swore that he had not only been helplessly drunk when the robbery occurred, but miles away from the scene of the crime. At last, though, under pressure, under police pressure, Samuels confessed to the robbery, but stoutly maintained he was innocent of murder. Nevertheless, he was promptly found guilty of the murder and sentenced to death. Samuels' accomplice in the robbery, a man named Isaac Simmons, was also being held in custody at this time, but had refused to confess to anything. In the hope of shocking a confession out of him, the provost, Marshal, ordered Simmons to be brought to Samuels' execution to take pace, place in public. On the appointed day, Samuels was brought to the gallows and horse-drawn cart, and the noose was placed around his neck. When the signal was given, the horses will be driven forward, leaving the condemned man to swing until dead. A large crowd had gathered for the occasion, and Samuels was allowed to address them briefly before the sentence was carried out. Yes, he said he had helped to steal the desk, but he had no part in the murder. <laughs> the real murderer, he went on quietly, calm. He went on quite calmly, was standing there in the crowd under police guard. Isaac Simmons was the murderer. As soon as he heard his name, Simmons began to shout, trying to drown out the words of his accuser. But the crowd had, the crowd had heard enough and began to clamour for Samuel's release in Simmons' trial. As they rushed forward, a guard jabbed the horses and the beast lumbered off, leaving Samuel's dangling from the rope, but only for an instant. Then the rope broke. The guard surrounded the condemned man while the the hangman prepared a second rope hangman or hangman hangman <laughs> the crowd was in a dangerous mood but the provost marshal a man who knew where his duty lay had the half-conscious samuels hoisted back into the cart and the noose again placed around his neck the order was quickly given the cart was pulled away and again samuels who had been sitting on a barrel since he was too weak to stand dangled from the rope this time the rope began to slowly unravel until Samuel's feet brushed the floor just, just enough to save down. him from being strangled. What? By now the crowd was convinced that they had witnessed divine intervention and a cry went up to cut the condemned man down. A cut down and cut down he was only to have yet a third rope <laughs> placed around his neck. <laughs> this time the rope broke just above Samuel's head and the provost marshal's nerve at last failed him. He mounted his horse rode at a gallop to the governor's office to report what had happened the governor immediately reprieved the condemned man still skeptical the provost marshal carefully examined and tested the three ropes they showed no signs of tampering and the last of them which had been brand new was tested in drop after drop with a weight of nearly 400 pounds even when the two of when two of the three strands of rope were deliberately cut the remaining strands still held the full weight wow Yet all three st strands had snapped together like a sewing thread when the much lighter Samuels had dangled from them. Isaac Simmons was eventually brought to trial and hanged for the policeman's murder. Once at, a, once at liberty, Samuels returned to his old ways and before long was imprisoned again, this time in Newcastle. There he and a group of fellow convicts stole a boat and made their escape by sea. Nothing more was heard of them and he and his companions were presumed drowned the end it was a good one it was really good I enjoyed that I'm glad you went for Schmedium <laughs> that's a good 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 uh, election of Schmedium
and on that note we will call that another episode in the bank oh it's in isn't it <laughs> of lights in the Just sky podcast deep down in that small desk of ours join us next week where we will um regale you with more tales of the paranormal until then catch you next week toodaloo